Welcome back to another episode of What the Dev, a podcast hosted by SD Times. I'm Jenna Sargent, social media and online editor for SD Times, and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we're talking about the results of Insono's Speak Up 2020 report, which is an audit of tech conferences and how diverse they are, how well they support women speakers, etc. To help unpack the results of the survey today, I'm talking to Lynn Klassen from Insono. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Lynn Klassen. I am the VP of Product Management for Public Health at Insono. I want to talk about the the Speak Up 2020 report, but first, can you talk a little bit about your experiences in the past at tech conferences? Uh, yes. Um, so this is actually the second year uh, we have conducted the survey, and really the impetus of Insono, you know, for Insono to take up the survey. It, it actually has a very kind of lighthearted beginning was I was at a large uh, tech conference and uh, I found myself in a very, very clean ladies room with just myself. So I took a picture of the very nice lounge and, you know, the gleaming surface of the restroom and I tweeted it. Uh, really what I was trying to say was, you know, despite uh, the, you know, the ability to enjoy a very quiet, clean bathroom all by myself, I would trade it, you know, for seeing more women in tech conferences. And that really sort of get, you know, it, I believe it actually created a lot of resonance for people that seen it. And also, you know, for, for uh, people in my company. So we decided, hey, what's the best way for us to continue to drive the conversation beyond this lighthearted exchange? Yeah, that's kind of the joke I make all the time. It's like you'll never find a, a cleaner bathroom than at a tech conference if you're a woman. Exactly. Um, which is sad, but um, so I I like that in, this year in the report, you guys dove deeper into the experiences of women of color because even when conferences have a lot of women speakers or accommodations for women, I feel like it, often there ends up being a lot of white women but mm-hmm. women of color are still not being properly represented. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to highlight this this stat from the report um, that in 2017, only 4% of keynote speakers were women of color compared to 20% of women who are white. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, 14% of keynote speakers were women of color compared to 18% that were white. So looking at these numbers, I do see improvements in both racial and gender representation. Can you talk a bit about this increase? Uh, yes. Um, so, of course, you know, we are all uh, very happy to see the positive trend upwards. Um, I do just want to, to continue to push for more conversation, you know, from both, say, the gender perspective and also from, you know, the racial and ethnic ethnicity uh, perspective. Because if you look at the breakdown of the numbers this year, 32% of the conferences we audited, you know, uh, the keynote speakers are women, uh, but if you break it down, it's 14% uh, women color versus 18% of, of uh, sort of white women. And uh, if you look at the increase overall, my concern is that I wouldn't, you know, I'm worried that uh, the conference organizers will see this as either all and not an, uh, not an additive uh, sort of upward trend. You know, it shouldn't be like, hey, we're just going to replace one with the other, right? Overall, you know, I would like to see the total percentage of 32% to continue to increase, you know, to be more representative of what the world is made up of. Definitely. 
Yeah, I like the um, the graph you guys included in the report where it kind of shows that um, in 2017, it was more like 25% women. Now, now it seems more like a third of women. Um, and it'd be great to see that that chart even go higher. Yeah, we do believe that, you know, with, uh, with the whole Me Too movement and also with the Black Lives Matter movement that start, you know, sort of we started seeing the momentum come together. And uh, this kind of continuous sort of talking about it, you know, that's driving uh, towards it, speaking up really, you know, will make an impact. So, for instance, uh, there's a conference that we audited, you know, in the past three years, the next web, uh, compared to nine women of color uh, keynote speakers in 2018, in 2019, there were 42 uh, women of color keynote speakers. And, you know, that just show that the pool of keynote speakers that are not from central casting is not the issue. Right. What what things can conference organizers do to keep increasing these numbers and keep adding representation across all their um, all their sessions and all their talks? I think one thing is that we we really would like to see more conference organizers, you know, to proactively, you know, to make an effort uh, to to invite our women of color, um, you know, uh, and of, of course women uh, keynote speakers in general uh, to their conferences. I think, you know, in order to keep them continue to be encouraged and you feel like, you know, they're, uh, they're doing the right thing, I think companies, you know, need to step up and also make the same kind of uh, demands. Uh, for instance, uh, companies are sponsoring these conferences should actually speak with the conference organizers and say, you know, like, you know, in order for us to, uh, continue to sponsor your uh, conferences. We actually would like to see, you know, the panels to be more diverse. Do you think that now that conferences are online, um, we'll see more women and women of color speaking at events? That's a great question, and I I'm cautiously optimistic about the upward trend. You know, with uh, with the virtual conferences, I think oftentimes uh, with. Um, with uh, the keynote speakers, uh, again, by the nature of uh, the conferences being online, we all of a sudden, you know, we do away with uh, geographical confines. And I think, you know, it will enable us to widen uh, the pool of keynote speakers that are available, you know, for conferences to invite uh, to all their, you know, to all different sorts of uh, events and to cover, you know, a wider variety of topics. I also want to dive into the part of the report that talks about design bias, even though a lot of these, the things that are mentioned in the report are in-person issues. So for our listeners who haven't heard that term, design bias is this idea that products and services are designed for, to be used for a certain group of people. And in the case of tech conferences, they're often designed for and by men. So women run into a lot of issues like a lack of women's restrooms or mic packs that are designed to go in a pocket, whereas most women's business clothing doesn't have pockets. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know a majority of the respondents in the report said that um, they felt that the conferences weren't designed with women in mind. Do you think that now that conferences have gone virtual, these issues disappear or are there are new issues that pop up in a virtual setting? 
Yes, definitely. Uh, so I think, you know, you're right. You know, with, with the conferences being virtual, we no longer have to worry about the bar stools, you know, not working, you know, it, it for a, uh, for a female speaker that perhaps is wearing a skirt, right? But I think, you know, with the conferences being virtual, now, you know, there are a different set of uh, issues or potential risks that are popping up. Uh, so for instance, I, uh, I heard that there's a female speaker, you know, she talked about how her session was a uh, Zoom bombed. Uh, so basically, so the perpetrator uh, joined the conference and was spouting, you know, just a discriminatory, you know, uh, statements. And, uh, because the conference organizer didn't prepare for that, it took them a while, you know, to mute the person or remove the person from the conference. And, uh, so, it, you know, I think this kind of reminds us, you know, us as users of these conference call uh, tools and also conference organizers to uh, have a contingency plan. If something like this happens, you know, which button and what procedure do I take, right, to immediately remove the person, you know, so their hate speech, you know, is not, it does not linger, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I know that we've kind of been doing things virtually for forever, it seems now. <laughs> um, yes. But it seems like a lot of these, like I've heard, I heard a story just yesterday of someone getting Zoom bombed. So do you think that most organizers are aware of these issues and working to address them? Or do you think that it's still not really being talked about? I kind of want to believe that they are aware of it because every time when it happened, you know, it it created uh, sort of a lot a lot of, sort of attention, you know, from the news outlets and, you know, uh, social media people that are, you know, sort of on social media, you know, we kind of sort of amplify that, that kind of, you know, uh, unfortunate news. Um, I do, you know, um, and again, you know, if they're not thinking about it, you know, I would like to take this opportunity, you know, to remind them because it's a, it's a simple sort of contingency plan and for them to plan for and also uh, to practice. Right. So, you know, and I think perhaps at, uh, at each event, event and at every uh, virtual panel, uh, there perhaps could be a staff member, you know, whose job, other, you know, in addition to sort of many other responsibilities, you know, one thing they, sh- they could do is, OK, so you are the person if something like this happens, you know, you are the person that's in charge of sort of removing this person right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Do you think that um, the fact that conferences have gone virtual or are paused for this moment in time, does that give organizers kind of a chance to step back and address a lot of the issues that were present in um, like in-person events? Absolutely. Um, so our report uh, this year uh, also asked the same question, Uh ask uh, female attendees and also keynote speakers, you know, uh, whether they have experienced sexual harassment or whether they have witnessed sexual harassment. And what we found is that, you know, uh, roughly 50% of the women who experience sexual harassment and or, you know, women who witnessed sexual harassment did not report the incident, you know, because they weren't aware of a clear process for, for reporting the incident. And also they are not confident that, you know, their report will remain anonymous. And I think, you know, now is a great opportunity because uh, verbal abuse, you know, also happens uh, in virtual conferences. 
And uh, with us being on social media, we are all from too, unfortunately, you know, all too familiar with uh, verbal abuse, you know, that could happen on social media. And I think, you know, code of conduct, you know, is just as important, you know, for the virtual world in the physical world. And I think, you know, uh, being able to uh, to share and publicize, okay, so if this happens, you know, what's the process for you to report uh, the incident, again, is uh, is also remains just as important. Mm-hmm. I know that there are so many other areas of the report, and I wish we could, like, dive into all of them. Um, but is there, like, a key takeaway from this report that you'd want our listeners to understand? Uh, yes. I, you know, I don't want to portray this as, as a doom and gloom. Uh, really, you know, we are, we are very hopeful, you know, because earlier you mentioned that we're definitely seeing the percentage of uh, female keynote speakers, you know, on a positive upward trend. We would like to, you know, let's continue to talk about this, you know, continue to drive, uh, drive change. And I think that's kind of the main purpose behind us doing this survey because a lot of these things, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that to most women, it didn't come as a surprise. Uh, you know, it's a shared experience, unfortunately. Uh, but with data, you know, we want to be able to help drive a data supported conversation. And we just need to continue to keep at it because this is also sort of involving changing the wider culture. And we understand that it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we want to, uh, we would like to invite uh, men to also participate in, you know, in driving change uh, because this is not a woman's issue. This is a human issue. Right. Are there, do you have any like recommendations for ways that men can kind of be a good ally to women in these um, scenarios? Right. So uh, I'll give a, perhaps a few, uh, one specific example. So on Twitter, you know, sometimes uh, when, when a, an expert in a certain field who happens to be female would be answering questions, you know, that are specifically, you know, to the field. And oftentimes you would see comments, you know, unfortunately mostly came from men or, and uh, they would uh, sort of question the, the expert, kind of like what we would call, you know, men, men's point, right? And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's really helps if someone else who happened to be male, who's also in the field, step up and basically say, you know what? This is a true expert, you know, in this field. It doesn't, you know, regardless their gender. And, you know, you need to listen to the person to amplify, you know, the original speaker's voice and also, you know, uh, sort of support them with the credibility that they absolutely deserve. It's mm-hmm. a great idea. I, I remember a few months back, there was a kind of like a, a Twitter, I don't, know, I don't know if I would call it a challenge, but a bunch mm-hmm. of men in tech were changing their avatars to like like just stock images of women and then they were just like kind of blown away by like how how many times they had like been questioned on their authority like just because they had switched their their picture to a woman and now all of a sudden everyone was like thinking they didn't know what they were talking about Mm -hmm, Um, exactly so yeah it's a huge problem but um yeah i think standing up for um, people's like credibility can can definitely help in those situations. 
before we sign off here, are there any final things you want to mention? Is there anything you want to promote? Really, I think, you know, we just want to reiterate, right? Like, it is important to continue to talk about it. This is a discourse. You know, this is not a lecture. Uh, you know, uh, we always pres- we always presume that, you know, people come from, you know, the a good place. And, you know, a lot of things that, you know, you are, you're simply not aware. And really wanted effort is to increase awareness, right? Uh, so again, that's, that's why we're trying to do this. And, you know, if you think about the future generation, uh, again, why it's so important to have female keynote speakers, you know, in the center stage, either in the virtual world or once we go back to the 3D world is that representation does matter. Uh, for, you know, the, the young women and young, you know, young girls out there, you cannot be what you cannot see. I truly believe in that, you know, and that's why really, you know, together we just have to make, continue to make, you know, better effort uh, to, to drive change. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This really is an important topic. I highly encourage all of our listeners to check out this report and look for ways to be more inclusive, not just at conferences, but also on your teams in general. I'll include a link to the report in our show notes so that you can check it out. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you like to use so that you get notified about new episodes. Bye. Bye.